Dear diary. Dear diary. Wow. Today was a really hard day. Dear diary, I find sometimes my life can be hard. Dear diary, it will pass and it will be okay. Dear diary, I feel like today is going to be. Shh. The Indigo Diaries. Dear diary, welcome, well, to the Indigo Diaries. First, let me introduce myself for people that don't already know. My name is Tasha Hicklin, and I'm the host of this new podcast. Well, it's not really brand new anymore, called The Indigo Diaries. Thank you to everyone for coming in and listening. If this is your first time, then welcome. But if you're returning, then welcome back. I welcome all you Indigos to the first series, The World Through Our Eyes, and another episode with a brand new guest. I'm so excited for a new guest. I, I always express how excited I am and looking forward to the next one. Like everyone is my favorite, but that's just the spirit and the passion in me. So let me get on with this podcast and introduce our next guest. This guest, ever since I met her, she brought such joy to my screen in Indigo. She shows so much expression and sheer joy, but also in her way, she approaches life with so much passion and gives everything 100%. So I'm honored to have her share her diary here today. So let me introduce you to Jessica. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Yay, I'm excited to be here. So let me begin by telling you a bit about Jessica. Jessica is 29 and lives in Western Australia. Since little, she was drawn into storytelling and creativity. This led to her a career in the film industry where for the most part, her ADHD brain naturally flourished. Currently, she works in casting as an acting coach and screenwriter for a youth film school. Despite the stereotypes of ADHDers, she actually loves reading as well as writing, playing lacrosse, cooking and music. Jessica was diagnosed with combined type ADHD only a few months ago, but she is looking forward to sharing her experiences so far. So, welcome, Jessica. I've already said that. Thank you. <laughs> so, in our pre-interview a few weeks ago, you mentioned that you've been listening. She's actually been doing some homework. I love the determination. And she's actually been listening to this podcast and... She shared some things that really dawned on her from listening to other people's story. I just wondered if you'd like to share that with us. Can I firstly just say that the fact that I did homework, surely this proves that ADHDs can do homework if it's something <laughs> you're actually passionate about and interested in. Yes, you know? yes, yes. <laughs> so we're not lazy. We, you know, we, we try <laughs> when we're interested. Um, well, one of the things that I um, was noticing, and this wasn't across the board, but it, um, it was some, was that, that uh, a lot of people found that they didn't have a good experience in school or they didn't do well in school. Okay. And for me, I feel like that was, the, my experience was the opposite and that's kind of why I didn't get diagnosed for so long. Ah, okay. So do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah. So I was really lucky um when I was a kid I had a best friend that I've known since I was a baby and we were able to do you know all those things that kids do together um you know make plays muck around and so I I carried that confidence I think of being myself and having somebody who's got my back um into primary school where I then found the community and then uh I didn't feel maybe so different I found I had a a group of people that were kind of like me um and I was bright as well like I loved school I loved learning I loved reading books 
Um, and so I feel like if you looked on the outside, you'd be like, oh, that's just like a bouncy little kid. Um, <laughs> they read, they read for long periods of time. So uh, why, um, you know, that surely they don't have ADHD, but I think I would like hyper-focus on reading because I liked it so much. So I wouldn't, you know, do anything else but read when I was reading and to this day, I'm still the same. Um, I love that. I think that like it's such a you know variability because you just some people love to read some people don't and it's just such a stereotype that people with ADHD don't like to read but because it was an interest to you your hyper focus and the strength of ADHD kicked in and then that's why it never got picked up it's just fascinating yeah yeah exactly and I think as well like I read when I was going to get diagnosed that you should bring report cards in and mm. everyone was like, oh, my report card says I'm lazy and unfocused and da, 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 da. And I looked through mine and they were all like, oh, you know, a pleasure to teach, da, 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 da. <laughs> um, which was so lovely, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. obviously a privilege that I happened to kind of pass. Um, but there was struggles. Okay. Uh, like I was, I was talking to my mum about it and she was like, oh, no, I feel bad I never picked it up when you were younger. Um, but I said to her, you enrolled me in alternative schooling, essentially. I did something called Kumon, which was alternative maths because I wasn't doing that well in maths. And that way you, it was all timed and there was rewards where you got fake money to buy. I remember I saved up for a sharpener. It was like a winding <laughs> one. I was really excited about it. And so I was motivated to learn. And so where I... I had the, the, the brains for it, but ne- not necessarily the traditional methods worked. Um, my parents did provide some other forms, you know, where I could keep up. And so I feel like I kind of, yeah, loved like primary school in that aspect and um, kind of did pretty well. So I think that's incredible. You hear it the other way where parents try and push them to do the conventional way. So how do you think that that kind of impacted you today? I feel like that having that initial kind of confidence, like I knew I was a bit different, mm. but it was a good thing, you know, because I was <laughs> yeah. storytelling and creativity. Like that's main character energy right there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it a is. a little me in my fantasy world. I was like, yeah, damn, you know, I'm a bit different. That's okay. And I had people, you know, on my side to back me up. My parents were so supportive. I did every hobby under the sun and there wasn't a lot of judgment of like, oh, you're changing now. You've done one month of pottery, which you were terrible at, and now you're moving to um, clarinet. Like, okay, (laughs) sure. The jack of Um, all trades. Yeah, literally. So I feel like even as things got harder and I, I was able to mask it less and, you know, I, I struggled more, you know, in high school and adult life, I feel like that still did serve me because I bounced back quick. Like I do definitely still have that emotional regulation stuff, but I bounced back really quick. And so on the surface, it looks like I'm doing okay. And I do feel like that has kind of given me real like positive kind of uh, baseline. That's amazing. Usually it's like the opposite, like people have the negative and then they have to bring the positive. It's nice that you, so you said you kind of, you find it a bit easier to bounce back. Is that still the same today? I think so. And I I don't know actually if it's particularly like um, mental work or just because I get a bit bored being sad. (laughs) I forget about it. I'm like, oh, well, let's move on. (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's, and, and it's definitely also been a curse. Like um, I struggled a lot in high school being taken seriously, I think, because I was bubbly and positive and I'm very personal when I'm struggling, like a, a private. I keep it all, you know, behind oh, okay. closed doors. Well, so it definitely, you know, has a flip side, but um, for the most part, yeah, I was pretty lucky in that regard. So you said about high school. So how, so you had a very good start with your friends, the academics, your mum, um, how and all your parents but both your parents so how do you think that you said it changed when you got to high school what do you mean by it changed I think that the divide became bigger and I started to notice more my differences and I had to again fit into an even less um cultivated learning environment Mm -hmm. you know when you're in high school it's literally just these mass you know bulk produced lessons designed to fit the the most amount of people's brains and I I understand that and I guess a a type of teacher myself I understand that there's only so much time that you know you can cater to everybody and my teachers I had some really lovely teachers but I think that made it harder like I definitely still struggled with procrastination um and not being able to finish things, not being able to start things in primary school. But as a kid, you know, like, what what are you doing? Like, it was my creative stories or my one-page homework things. It didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't. And then at high school, it started, it started to matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also I think the, the social side of the emotional regularity, the rejection mm. sensitivity, that became a lot harder in high school because I didn't have a core group where we were just together for everything. I had a group of friends that were um, still highly intelligent people and really big personalities. So still the outliers of Mm. the school environment. But I would come away with these thoughts like, gosh, I'm a lot for people. I'm too much for people. And also where's the, the, um, the handbook, the social handbook? Mm. Why does everyone seem like they know this stuff? And I feel like I have to manually learn it. And I, and I really, that thought kind of stayed with me uh, even till now. I still struggle with like, how do people just do do these things? You know, they just know. I used to watch when people would put their sunglasses on and off because <laughs> I didn't know when you were meant to. Just ridiculous little things like that that other people weren't taught and I felt like I had to learn manually. Yeah, I like that you that, that, that social handbook. I've never heard of that. That's a really nice way to look at it. So how do you think that that, like with your different types of friends and things like that and how did you kind of get through that again I had a I had bestie that was kind of by my side so I had yeah no matter how much I felt I did or didn't fit in I always knew there was someone in my court um and I think that really kind of kept me sane um and helped kind of balance the the anxiety and the, the negative self-talk. Okay. So what about like academics? Did did you still thrive in uh, in high school? I did and I didn't. I was still in the the kind of top academic group for lower okay. school. And I loved it. I loved learning. I, I think I like problem solving. And so when I was given those opportunities <laughs> and sometimes we, because we were in the, the kind of the extra, um, the, 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 the top tier kind of group, we had different opportunities sometimes and we didn't always have to learn in a traditional way. We were taken on um, tours and things like that. Mm. Um, but in saying that, what I really started to hit was the executive functioning block 
Um, and what I thought was procrastination. Like, honestly, I, I've been trying to rethink my procrastination now and go procrastination is when you, um, you're putting something off. And I don't think that's what we have as a problem with ADHD is we want to do it. We're trying to do it and we just can't. can't. And so I started to hit those blocks. And of course I was really hard on myself about them. And um, I think no one else noticed because I had these great expectations of myself. If like um, there's a level where the teachers expected us to hit, I always had this above and beyond ideas for school assignments, Ah, projects. I'd get so excited and be like, I can do this and this and this. And (laughs) then I'd leave it to the last minute because time blindness, because like I couldn't, I couldn't hit, I couldn't get stuff done until it, it literally had to be done. And then in that time, maybe my natural brightness kind of served me and I would deliver what was expected. But it's not what I expected. And that disappointment really eats away at you. And after a while, like my attitude now that I'm having to unwork is I don't try new things because it sucks to be disappointed when you don't hit what you expect of it. Um, and that's that's where that has gone, which I think is like really sad. So it's kind of like what they expect, you expect more. So then you kind of lived up to what was expected. I'm doing that yeah. in the inverted commas, what was expected. Yeah. But the yeah. disappointment I that you and passed well. Yeah, yeah. And then but then the disappointment with yourself is a total different thing. So how do you kind of cope with that now? I think I express it more. Okay. And I'm much more, I've done a lot more mindfulness work. So I'm more present with my thoughts. I, I kind of go by that. Just because it's using my voice doesn't mean it speaks the truth. Yes. You know, that my thoughts are created from my history um, and they were there to help me and protect me, but they don't necessarily serve me now. So I try and counter them as much as I can. I try and be kind to myself mm. when I change interests and uh, with screenwriting, which is what my main passion is. And I'm trying that's really hard because you're like get into a film <laughs> and you're writing the script and then suddenly that you can't Mm. um so it's hard I haven't got a solution but I do try and be kind to myself when I hit that disappointment you know block I think that's really nice like be kind to yourself because most people are the opposite and you've got to remember that those irrational thoughts are there built from the past but Mm. they hopefully will you know and give yourself some credit we're uh we're we're never we're never going to be perfect even though we try we want to be (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Perfectionism is such a struggle every day. Every day. So what happened after school, after high school? What what was kind of the next step? Yeah, I uh, was really into acting. In high school, I found an external drama group, which again was a group of weirdos. There's a theme here. I love it. And the creative sorts and the alternative figures. And I fit in. And some of them are still my, my best friends to this day. And that's the place I work at. So the place I started doing drama lessons at 13 is the place I still work at at 29. This is incredible. Like they're like my family, my workplace. Um, But I got a job straight out of school as an acting teacher, just starting with the little guys, just these really basic beginner films. Um, And that was so wonderful for me. What I didn't realise at the time was um, these classes were after school. They were all practical based with a little bit of, you know, theory Mm -hmm. in there, but very much the whiteboard and then we try it out type thing. And so I 
it really, again, I, I flourished in this space because it responded to, I responded to the short time periods. I was able to think on my feet. I was able to be quick. And even now, like in my classes, uh, we play with scenes and then we do redirects and we just try new things. And I love that. And I feel like I'm, I, like, I'm proud to say, oh, I think I'm quite good at that. Um, and so I feel like I was very lucky. I got a job straight out of school um, that, that fed into what I was good at. Um, and I did other little bits and pieces, acting work, promo gigs, and there were all these like four-hour blocks or less. So there was nothing uh, okay. other, than, other than maybe the six months where I tried to go to uni, which was the <laughs> biggest struggle. Tell other us about that. that. Tell us about that. <laughs> Okay, so I went, was going to do um, a four-year um, double major in film and theatre and okay. blah, blah, blah. Um, and, yeah, I did six months of it and it was just struggle town. I was um, focused. I could not focus. Um, the, the things I loved the most were the tutes where we talk and we engage and we be a debate and back and forth, everything else, um, lectures, essays, um, watching back less, um, lectures online. Oh, my goodness. I just couldn't. Readings, these long readings. I really, really, really struggled and I felt really bad about that. But luckily um, an opportunity came up to do a diploma of screen acting. Oh, nice. Nine months. It was three days a week. It was this, the most incredible um, acting coach and um, amazing other teachers as well. And it was all practical. So we were, we were just doing like scripts and, um, and accents. We went to the zoo and practiced being like animals. And it was just that, yeah, that was much more the style of learning that I responded to. I think it's amazing that I have to, I have to stop you there to comment, but I have to think it's amazing that you didn't keep going. So you were confident enough to say, do you know what? No, it's not okay. And this is not the right thing for me. I'm going to go and do something else. I think that's really courageous. I think if I look back, yeah, but there definitely, I think it was this better opportunity has come up and, um, Honestly, now I would love to do more study, but it's so daunting knowing how hard that was and knowing how many foundational units are in most studies um, and that so much is online at the moment. Yeah. I just know in myself that, that that's not the right learning for me. And it, I guess it is empowering in a way and it is courage to be like, yeah, okay, this isn't for me and that's okay. It's not for everybody, but it is disappointing as well. Yeah, the disappointment is, yeah. It is. And when you, when you quit, it is not quit, but when you, when you take that step back and say, no, this is not right. It is empowered, but it also, you have to respect that the fact that it is, it is a hit, isn't it on yourself and, and on your emotions. I understand. I quit my master's, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do you do now? So now I still teach, but I teach higher levels. Now I do screenwriting where I get to write films for my work which is absolutely amazing that's only happened in the last year um and I work in casting and that was the big shift because I only started that about two years ago that was the shift that really made me realize um where my weaknesses are at because I hadn't had to sit down in front of a computer and work for long periods of time since since uni so that was a bit of a shock and I think that's kind of yeah, what led me to my diagnosis. 
So what, what would you say when you started casting were your biggest challenges? So for me, it was focus, um, being able to sit there and focus um, and also to prioritise focus because I, I don't think we've got an attention deficit. I think it's just the prioritising of where our attention should be. Yeah. So my job is to take in a lot of emails um, and to deal with a lot of different moving parts. I'm dealing with auditions. I'm dealing with actors' profiles. I'm dealing with casting briefs. I'm dealing with internal stuff. And stuff comes in all the time. And so every time my attention goes to the next thing, to the next thing, and I have to remember the previous one, and I have to decide in my head, what's the most important? What should I spend how much time on? And that I really, really struggled with. And um, I started to um, hit that feeling of overwhelm, which has kind of been a consistent thing in my life, but more often um, than I had been in a little while. Um, And also I think... Uh, memory as well yeah it's a big one <laughs> but memory retention and also um yeah I don't know it was just it was hard all the EFs just came back all the executive functioning just came back yes. yeah so yeah how do you kind of uh you still do casting now is that correct so how do you manage that now yeah I do so I um trialing new things because I'm super new in my diagnosis so it still is hard but yeah. um I've got an amazing workplace they're pretty flexible as far as my hours are concerned um I try to be kind of myself and my brain is having those days where it just won't work you stare at the screen you're like <laughs> this tab why did I open this tab I was doing something um <laughs> But I'm also trying things like, um, you know, using like sensory objects just to engage that kind of hyperactivity part of me, the restless part, using music um, and, and exploring medication as well, um, which I haven't been that lucky with yet, but I'm, I'm still open to kind of exploring it. Okay, so we're getting more towards your diagnosis now. So do you yeah. want to tell us about kind of, obviously we've said it in your bio, it was three months ago. Do you want to kind of tell us kind of what led up to actually go in to get a diagnosis? It was actually just um, a video on Facebook at 2am. I was watching this video of this radio host and she was making a joke about how (laughs) she thought she used to have ADHD but she doesn't anymore and then her mum was like, no, you still have it, you don't lose it usually. And then she (laughs) she listed all the characteristics. She's like, I do this and this and this. And her coworkers are like, yeah, you do that, you do that. And they're all laughing. And I'm laughing like, oh, imagine. And then I was like, man, like all of those things kind of like resonate with me. Like, mm-hmm. ooh. But surely not because I had never, no one had ever told me in my conscious memory that I maybe have ADHD. I just, it had never crossed my mind. For me, I had that stereotype in my head of that little boy boy yeah um, who is bouncing <laughs> off the walls who's naughty who's misbehaving mm-hmm. who's all of those things and I was like well I'm not those things um and then I went down the rabbit hole, <laughs> down the rabbit hole as we've all been through we all did that yeah <laughs> I've just okay what's the DSM DSM diagnosis what's all these little quizzes what's these little bingo charts what's everything <laughs> I could read about it um and I started to sit more and more with like oh my goodness this 
actually might be me. Mm. Um, and I was seeing, I've been seeing a psych for a while um, okay. that I'm not seeing anymore for anxiety. And I had listed these specific symptoms that are huge flags of ADHD and she'd never picked it up. Um, and then I actually went to her in my next session. I said, I, I'm just... I've been learning about ADHD and I think I might have it. And of course you're really vulnerable in that place. So you're yes, like, you Oh are. my God, this is like my, my whole sense of self mm. being shifted. And she pretty much shut me down. She said, Oh, I don't think ADHD is even a brain thing. And honestly, you just use it as a crutch and a few other things like that. And I left feeling so disheartened and questioning myself and I'm quite stubborn, so I didn't give up completely. But it really, like, was a blow. My mouth is literally open right now. And my fist is like this. <laughs> that is actually, like, infuriating. Like, And she's meant to be a psychologist or a psychiatrist where they're meant to know about these things. It's not even a brain thing. You're going to use it as a crutch. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I thought about it and I put myself together and I came back to her the next week and I said, Look, even in these couple of weeks, I've been sitting with this as a potential label for me. And I know it's a label and I know we are beyond these labels. Yeah. But even as I've been sitting with this, my self-talk has already started to change. The things that I thought of my, in myself as procrastination, as lazy, as not trying hard enough, as too much for people, suddenly these are things that maybe are part of my brain makeup and mm. maybe are... Uh, are things that are a little beyond my control and um, my resistance to them and my how hard I was on myself was actually making it harder for me to even cope with and work with them and, you know, do anything at all. So she was kind of like, oh, yeah, I can see that. But I still knew. I was like, this is an insupportive environment. And I've moved to somebody else. And she also admitted she didn't know a lot about it. But she was like, it's definitely a thing. Um, and it's often, you know, I have heard that a lot of women and, you know, mm. bright women often yep. slip underneath the radar because your symptoms don't match up to uh, what's out there, what's been studied and publicised. It's really sad, isn't it, that so many people like yourself, myself and many others get, you know, mi you know, misdiagnosed or things like that. So um, do you, so going back to you uh, before we start to go on about your ADHD, your anxiety, how did that come about? Yeah, well, I it was just my self-talk and it was so much okay. self-talk. And honestly, I feel like I did it um, as a result to kind of counterbalance yep. my ADHD struggles, which again, I don't think is uncommon. Like I, I was shocked to learn that my friends thought of me as a person who's often late. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, I try so hard to be early and yeah. I do all these things and I plan it. And then sometimes what happens is I'm, I'm too early, too ready. So then I, I don't want to think about it. So I'll do something else. And then I end up being late. late. Um, and other things like I use a calendar for everything and I try and be really accountable with other people and connect with other people. So I was doing all these things, constantly working my mind to counterbalance the forgetfulness, the memory issues, the time blindness, the, the stuff that I'm learning um, uh, is, is 
you know, what we come with. It's part of the package deal. And so I think my anxiety was being treated at a surface level, um, but it was actually masking. It was it was the, the byproduct of my ADHD most of the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and as well, I, I kind of knew that because I knew it wasn't the perfect fit, the label of anxiety for me. Yeah. Because I have a, a lot of friends who deal with anxiety and they would talk about things like struggles um, in social interactions, um, struggling uh, with shopping and struggling on the phone. And I am so extroverted and so social and I think I get big dopamine hits from being around people, even at the supermarket, you know, even randoms on the phone. (laughs) So I, I felt like, oh, I'm not anxious like that. And my, a lot of my, yeah, anxieties, my self talk was either after the fact which is more a rejection sensitivity end of things, or was in the planning stages of things, trying to keep control of my my uh, my my monkey brain. Monkey brain, I love that. It's it's really sad how like it's kind of anxiety, depression, and things like that sometimes are the after effect of something else mm. going on, and it's uh, yeah, it's really real, but also really quite sad, but. Um, So we're going to take a break and we're going to come back after the break and we're going to go more into what happened after Jessica was diagnosed. So join us back after the break. If you would like any information on Indigo's support group, check out the website below for our link to our Facebook page or email at indigo.adhd2020 at gmail.com. If you would like to offer any comments or feedback or if you are interested in the world hearing your story, then please reach out either through the group or through our email. As said before, have a good week check in again later in the ghost. Hi, welcome back. We've refreshed with some drinks and ended up talking too long as we always do. So welcome back, Jessica. And we just before the break, we were talking with Jessica. Uh, if you've not, if you don't know where we are right now, then rewind now. But I'll just give you a little bit. We were talking about Jessica and she'd only just been diagnosed a few months ago she's been diagnosed with anxiety but then moved to a new psychiatrist and I think that's where we left off so welcome back Jessica and carry on with your diary so um what I thought was interesting I know I'd said um so it was my psychologist that was that said those comments that were really harmful and when I eventually found a psychiatrist he said damaging comments as well for, for me I went to him and I, I had all the oh. I gave him everything that I sat with and he said no no I think you definitely have um attention deficit the deficit part but I don't know about the hyperactivity part you'd probably be bouncing off the walls if you did oh that frustrates me so much <laughs> that comment and I just kind of because I yeah I'm very passionate when I think something's been um, said wrong I said to him as nice as I could well I've learned to mask and also I if you got to know me 
my hyperactivity manifests in ways like I'm always moving my feet. I call them my dancing feet. It's how I know I'm <laughs> awake in the morning. I can't sleep in anymore. My feet start doing little like conductors. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> dancing feet. And when I'm feeling a lot of attention on me as well, or I'm feeling a bit anxious, my feet start moving. And I, I never knew why that was. My hands tap as well. My partner always says, you're always like tapping little, you know, beats and whatnot on my hands when we're holding them. And um, a few other things like that. Um, and I'm, you know, uh, constantly kind of moving and wiggling around and things, but I'm in a professional setting. I'm a 29-year-old woman. I have learnt ways to mask and to hold myself together mm-hmm. when I'm in a professional environment. And so luckily he had also like this multi-choice quiz, which um, when he got that back, he was like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, you've got <laughs> the hyperactivity part as well significantly. <laughs> That's another stereotype, the hyperactivity it goes when you're an adult. I have had many arguments, not arguments, heated heated conversations when they say, but I can't see it. And it's like, yes, but we mask. That's what we've had to do. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And it's like, uh, I don't know, just to judge you on that one instance, mm. um, you know, the, whereas in, the, in this quiz it was things like, oh, do you always feel like, you know, you've got a, you're an engine running and yeah, things yeah. like that and stuff that was more internal that maybe somebody wouldn't see at first impression, but you can feel it in you. Um, and yeah, for me, again, I was a bit annoyed by that, but I thought, okay, that's just, that's just representative of the general state um, of our um, kind of global understanding yes. of ADHD. Um, and it's been both frustrating to learn because that's obviously, you know, why it took me 29 years to get diagnosed. So I didn't present like that, um, but it is empowering as well because I've, I'm really excited. I feel like um, autism, the way we've understood autism, understand, understood autism um, and how we're starting to see the nuances. And I watched a fantastic documentary about how it presents in women. I think we will start to get there with ADHD too. Yes. I feel like that's the next that's the I next kind of movement. 100% agree with that. We know ASD, now we need ADHD. So how yes. do you think, so coming from that, how do you think that your diagnosis is kind of, how do you feel about it? I was just super hyped. I was like, <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 this is me. Oh, my goodness. Like, how wonderful. Um, like, this is my first impression. You know, like, how wonderful. I found this thing that explains me and fits me and means I am not failing. I'm not not trying hard enough. It actually means that I work a little differently. Yes. Um, and that has been so, such a weight off my shoulders. It hasn't been a crutch. It's been an empowerment. And um, so initially I was just so excited. My struggle was that I want to talk about it and I'm still kind of just in the end of that honeymoon phase of, of learning about it. And I want to talk about it with everybody all the time yeah. because it's the new <laughs> special interest that I have learned, but nobody wants me to talk about it all the time. My poor partner gets like about three memes a day that are like adhd <laughs> I can relate to that, trust me. It's still now. Yeah. So in that regard, it was yeah, super empowering. I started to read up about techniques and started to see there were certain ones that I'd implemented before I even knew. Um, and that was why they worked. Things like timers, um, yeah. things like re- reward systems. 
systems and um, even like for my forgetfulness I've got things like where I'll put something in the way I'll put like a shoe on top of my phone and then I look <laughs> at it in the morning I'm like why is there a shoe oh yeah I need to fill up my petrol and it's the weirdest like that's brilliant I love that but I, I'd done all these hacks on my own and I and I, in a way I felt quite proud of myself because I I thought without any knowledge or any help you've been managing this pretty well and you have still been achieving things and you've still been growing and learning um and this diagnosis only makes it easier for me to access um like-minded individuals like your indigo group and uh, resources so that I can continue that and not feel defeated when the neurotypical way of doing it doesn't work like rather than a to-do list, which I used to have to-do list 20, 20 items long. Yeah. I now have a three item to-do list for my day and um, it keeps it simple. I've got it on a big whiteboard and I can see it wherever I move around the house. And I have a lot more techniques that are geared for me. So they work. And that's so wonderful to be like, Oh gosh, I was just trying the wrong techniques. It wasn't made for me. So no wonder they didn't work. I think it's really refreshing to hear this perspective because it's just uh, really amazing that you've just kind of took it under your wing and you're like do you know what this explains a, a lot I'm just gonna go with it let's just let's just come on and it's it's like almost like you kind of needed it but kind of yeah like needed that to then be able to just go oh do you know what it's not me there is something going on it does explain it it doesn't mean I have to make excuses and give you the permission to then carry on yeah yeah 100 percent. it's that um self-kindness that I was really lacking I have a lot of empathy for others and I I'd like to think I'm I'm quite a kind and considerate person to others because I hate I hate when you are feeling like that so I always think oh if somebody else is feeling like I feel what would they want me to do would they be feeling left out I'll include them would they be feeling sad by that comment I'll try and say something to make them feel better but I didn't turn that same kindness to myself I actually was so hard and I still have to actively combat that every day. Mm. I'm so hard on myself. My perfectionism is off the charts. My um, shame um, and uh, expectations of myself are really, really uh, intense. And so it's just allowed me to start to counter that, to go, oh, here's a thought. Um, I'm too too much for people which I get regularly like I really I often feel like oh my goodness you just talk so much and then they're all quiet they think you're too loud and too intense and too passionate and then I've counted it with you're passionate and you're energetic and you're bringing life to this conversation and maybe they were glad somebody else was talking or if not they're your friends and they understand you and so yep. I started to counter that self-talk and not expect myself to be a whole different person than I am and of course I'll never achieve that so I've started to kind of uh become at peace with with who I am a little a little more that's that's amazing like you kind of almost like flip the coin flip the coin and kind mm. of just keep going so what about like uh telling people have you have you started to kind of you know, because obviously it's only been three months, but mm. have you started to kind of express to other people that you uh, have been diagnosed? Yeah, literally everyone in my close circle heard within a week because I couldn't, I couldn't not say anything. I was so hyped. So in some way or another, most of the people in my close circle have heard. 
um, and probably heard too much about it. <laughs> but I, as much as I'm excited and hyped, I definitely, like I really struggle. I still come, I feel so vulnerable. Mm. Um, this process of unmasking and being my authentic self and not criticizing myself for being who I am it's made me really, really vulnerable. And so I'll often on the surface appear really um, like a, you know, like it's all just amazing. And then I'll, I'll go home from an interaction where I have talked a bit about my ADHD or I have told someone new and I will feel so uh, vulnerable and that emotional low and um, sometimes a breakdown because I just think, oh, my goodness, like, mm. I, uh, yeah, what if they don't like me now or what if um, this is the final tipping point and, and I am, you know, too much for people and then they think I'm weird or something. And I am weird and that's okay. I actually really like that about myself. But the negative self-talk spins it in a way that's like no one's going to like you because you're weird. Yeah, it's like the spins and it's like you're like, yeah, I like it. And then you're like, no, you don't like it. It's not good for the mm. people. It's like that that devil and like demon, isn't it? So, um yeah. So you, after a while, I mean, I'm only speaking from my experience. I was also quite similar. And then after a while, it does start to go. But then, you know, we're not perfect, are we? So kind of, how do you kind of, how do you kind of deal with that? Yeah, I've, I've got a new psych who's great. Um, and I've been journaling a bit more. And usually what I do um, is I... I let myself feel the emotions. Like sometimes I'll sit there and I'll be like, oh yeah, I know I'm going to have a cry on the way home <laughs> because I just exposed a part of myself and no one said anything or, or I said one thing wrong and I'm going to have a cry. But afterwards I, I'm quite self-aware. So I'll look through it and I'll kind of try and reason mm. and um, come to a more objective understanding of it. And then if it's still something that um, needs to be said, I'll, I'll try and communicate it to the other party so this is with people that I trust like my close yeah, yeah. friends I try to say to them hey I, I was feeling a bit vulnerable and I might have been a bit off and and just so you know this is what I'm going through and every time they're amazing and supportive like I've got incredible friends it's just my self-talk my inner head that says like maybe they hate you maybe it's you know it's all too much that RSD hey mm, yeah yeah struggle is real it really is, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I just have to say, yeah, because it, the 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 struggle is real every day, and um, yeah, I just you know you you go home and think about it for six hours, and then someone else is mm. just carried on with it a normal day. So yeah, how would yeah. you say? Um, what about with your family? Have you kind of reached out to them and kind of spoke to your mom and your dad about kind of? reflecting back onto your past kind of thing yeah yeah I definitely have um and and like a lot of other people um some family members like like about other people as well go oh no you're not like it's like you're saying you're sick or something and you're like yeah, no no, no yeah. it's not a bad thing I'm not I'm not it's not a problem it's actually an understanding a different understanding so they'll say no 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 you're not you couldn't be you know oh we're all a little bit like that and I'm like yeah, yeah but is it chronic like <laughs> do you feel overwhelmed every like day or week from different like tasks that you cannot do despite how much you want to do them mm. um so that's that's been a bit of an issue but for the most part they've been so supportive um 
my mum has said a few memories where she's like, oh, yeah, you're always really loud and really energetic. Um, and But they didn't know what to look for, so I don't blame them um, mm. because nobody... I didn't even know that that was a thing until literally this year. So how could they have, like, in the 90s known that these were how girls sometimes presented? Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so it's been, it's been quite positive telling them and it's, it's kind of been me going, oh, but see, did you, did you see that thing that I do? I actually think possibly it's because of my ADHD. <laughs> you start to piece together once you know you start to like piece together like your whole past and you sometimes you're like oh do you remember this and people are like no and you're like oh okay yeah like I've got a great one um when I was a kid um my mum thought that I was hard of hearing and took me to a hearing clinic multiple times because oh. I always said I always said what when she asked me something and turns out I just never listened and I was just in my own world and I just thought that's classic like oh. <laughs> my auditory processing was just that big too late and she was like oh no something must be wrong like which it kind of was but it wasn't quite that, that. you know my hearing <laughs> so I think that's really funny I think it's really quite amazing. Like if, if I was listening to this now, well, obviously I, I am listening, but you know what I mean? If I was listening to this now, like I wouldn't be able to believe that you were only diagnosed three months ago. I think it's it really incredible how you've kind of just took it on and took it through your wing and, and just kind of, you know, obviously you've still got your struggles and you've still got your inner critic and things like that. But just hearing the way you talk about it and the way you express it is really rare and very quite... It's quite refreshing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I definitely, I blame the rabbit hole in part because I have immersed myself. But I also think it's, it's due to being around other positive influences like yourself oh, where you. I get to see myself reflected in others. And that has kind of sped up that process of going, oh, okay, all right. This, and you have that thing where you're like, oh, my God, I do that too. Yeah. <laughs> Again and again and again, and that's been so uh, inspiring, and 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 it's balanced out the negative. And you know, it, it is rough going mm. from a thing where you think, look, if I try hard enough, I'll eventually be able to be a whole different person and be able to to um, be more focused mm. and be less procrastinating and da 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 da. Whereas now I have to kind of come to the terms of the fact that this is this is my struggle for life, in the sense that. In a neurotypical designed world, there will always be things that aren't catered to me and I will always have to maybe work a little harder in certain aspects of my life. Um, and that is confronting. Yeah. But also seeing all the strengths and seeing the strengths in um, you know, people like yourself, it um, reminds me of what I've got as well. Oh, you're making me blush. Making me blush, thank <laughs> you. Um, it's, uh, yeah it's it's about it's about spinning but then you've still got to kind of take on the challenges but look at the strengths. there's two sides to every story isn't there so um yeah they're kind of uh how's it kind of you talked about having really good friendships and things like that mm. how's it kind of affected your or impacted kind of your uh romantic intimate relationships and your friendships as an adult yeah I think the um, rejection sensitivity and the maybe a little bit more manually learning social cues has meant mm. that 
I um, have struggled a little bit with friendships as an adult, but um, then when I found my people, um, like I've got a great group of girls that I'm really close with from lacrosse and they're so wonderful. Um, but at first when I was getting to know them, I was really sensitive. Like I'd, I'd be my full self because especially <laughs> in sport, it brings out that energy in me and they're so fun and great. And then I'd go home and be like, hypercritical and going oh my gosh I said this or I did this and they probably think this and it's only through like time that it really has erased that like I couldn't help too much that those thoughts came um but like they're still sticking around I live with one of them so you know (laughs) That's kind of affirming. Um, I love that. They're sticking around. <laughs> they're here. They're still here. Yeah. So surely, surely they they bear me at the moment, at least. <laughs> no, I think they like me. I think. Um, and then in, in intimate relationships with my partner, I have a long-term partner, three years, um, and he's been so great. I express. Um, it's the ADHD diagnosis has given me better terms to express what's going on. Okay. So um, I can say to him, um, what's an example? Uh, oh, in this mo- moment, uh, I'm feeling overstimulated. So just give me like 10, 15 minutes and then I'll feel like engaging again. And he'll go, okay, cool. What do you, what do you need? Um, and support me through that. But it's also rather than me just shutting down or just being really stroppy, I can actually use my words to say what it is and he understands a little bit of um, what that means and can be there for me. So I think um, it's actually improved our relationship because I found the words to articulate the things that I was um, finding hard and then, um, yeah, he can support me better through that. And also it's kind of understanding how do we work around it, the things that maybe are difficult, you know, that that we come up against um there might be a challenge you know I understand him a lot like for instance he's great he works in um his mind is in pictures um and um he really thinks about things and is so respectful and listening and I'm so impulsive and jumping in da 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 so we have like a code word which is just to stop and take a breather so that he can catch up and then he knows as well if I'm jumping in it's not because I don't respect what he's saying it's because mm. I've like finished the sentence <laughs> and then springboarded from that to something else and then I'm replying to that and then I know to explain maybe how I made that connection so yeah we're, we're finding our workarounds <laughs> that's brilliant and I still um, I'm laughing because I can relate to that a lot um you've just got to find that balance in it I found that it was mm. kind of like that because you're accepting yourself, then it's easy, not easier, but then it's, it's easy for you to then express it for them, them to kind of accept. And rather than trying to mask and say, I'll do that when you know you're not going to do it, that it's just that middle ground and you work to your strengths. And I, I absolutely love that you guys do that. That's absolutely brilliant. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cute. <laughs> so uh, how do you, so obviously that's impacted you in a very positive way in your relationship uh, so I remember you telling us, this is not really about ADHD, but I have to get this in here, about mm. how you guys met. I just think this is brilliant. Oh, <laughs> oh I clocked him at a party when we were like, I don't know, 16, 17. I thought he was really cute. <laughs> we only had MySpace, so I tried to search him on MySpace, but I couldn't because I only knew his last name. And then um, 
a few years later at a party, I was hitting it off with this guy. And I've got a terrible memory, especially for faces and stuff. So I'm like to my best friend, oh, this guy's really cute. And they're like, yeah, isn't it that guy that you like that you <laughs> said to my face? I was like, no, 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 his name's his. And then I asked him his first name and his last name and his last name was the, the name that I knew. And I was like, oh, my God. And then even then we spent ages um, us were in the place to to kind of be ready for I was a lot less self-aware um, as you are in your early 20s yeah. um, in that period you know like I grew so much I, I traveled which again was very stimulating and ADHD friendly as, as a as a um, life experience because every day is different and I wasn't yeah so I, I really thrived in, in that traveling environment I loved it um, and then kind of you know had other relationships and stuff and came back a more grounded person and I think a better person to to bring into a relationship and, and he did the same so um, you know lots of meetings later we're finally together but yeah I always say I clocked you first (laughs) I just love that you clocked him and it was like MySpace it's just like hearing that MySpace just (laughs) takes you back to like when we were teenagers I know I know it's such a different world yeah (laughs) MySpace now you just everyone's got a phone and everything so um so traveling that's a really uh and obviously I'm I I'm very similar like that and how do you think that that you think that that kind of helped you in almost like with your ADHD like kind of it gave you a like an outlet almost yeah that and like sport as well I've always done lots of sports um and exercise and stuff both of them I think have been outlets for my energy, mm. um, mental stimulation, learning new things. I love like walking around a supermarket in a new country that I haven't been to and just noticing the different products. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's just I, I, I really thrive on learning. Mm. And so I think it was learning but in a really practical way. Like I spent five years of primary school learning Japanese, right? All I could remember is one to ten and hello. And my wow. name is Jess. then then I did three months in Japan a few years ago and I learned so much more I I wasn't you know fluent or anything but I could I I picked up so much of the language because I was hearing it yeah and it was being practically used um and so these kinds of things have taught me and and same as with sport as well um if my coach says to us all right we're doing this drill and we're going from cone a to cone b and we're go around and then shoot from c and then this i just kind of like uh i look like i'm listening (laughs) because i'm really good at that but i but i'm not i can't take it in i yeah yeah, i can't process auditory instructions very well i just can't picture them but then i see it and then i do it and suddenly it clicks and so these things have taught me um, how I learn. And so then I can say to someone, oh, you've just explained that to me, but can you put that in writing as well? Or can we walk through it? I had a games night last night and someone explained this game and I was zoned out halfway through and I thought, oh, no, you're going to fail at this. <laughs> and then we played the game and it was great and I clicked and I got it because we were doing it. Um, and so I know in myself not to be hard again. <laughs> And that it's just that I have some strengths um, in what I can learn. I'm quite good at listening and kind of um, getting accents and, and languages. 
and there's some things that I'm not so good at and just to kind of make sure that my learning caters to those styles more wow what a way to like be able to express yourself and say you know do you know what that was okay but let's can we could you just get it in this way and this way and then it's just it's like you kind of like utilizing your strengths and then you know what your challenges are and now you're really like fulfilling your life it's it's incredible so how so what's the next step for you Jessica what's kind of the next step in your life that's a very daunting question sorry that was a <laughs> I just realized <laughs> no pressure um honestly for me like um with myself my goal I'm not really a goal-driven person but if I had to say I had a goal it would be to be kinder to myself because that is still my hardest battle and like I've I've got, I don't think people realise I've got this quote that says, just because someone carries it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy. Mm. Um, And I feel like I often don't show how much I'm struggling. I'm quite private in my struggles. I don't like people to have to worry about me or feel bad or, Mm. or walk in eggshells or anything like that around me or cater to me. I always want to be the easiest, most convenient person in the room. But... It means that I'm often going through stuff alone. So for me, uh, being kinder to myself and then communicating my needs to others, like that I think is going to be a big part of my journey going forward. Um, And then using my strengths to continue um, to find work um, and uh, improve myself in my career, especially my screenwriting. Like I'm so passionate about it. It was the first thing I ever remember doing when I was a kid is writing stories and doing little plays, but I never finished them. I could never finish them. And only just in the last year have I started to find strategies where I can pump out a script and finish it to a place that I'm pretty happy with it. Not perfect, never perfect, but you know, and so for me, it makes me hopeful moving forward that I can try new things and fail at them and move on to other things, but continue to grow like that is really important to me that I am able, I am empowered to continue doing the stuff I love because it's not just the things you don't like doing with ADHD. Sometimes the struggles is I love this so much and I still can't do it. And that sucks. And so that's something I want to work on for sure. Wow. So I'm just sat here like staring at you in awe, like just so (laughs) smiling because that was just absolutely like powerful, very powerful. I just, I think that's just such a, like a unique and kind of way to move forward. I just think that's amazing and uh, growth. That's what it's all about. And Mm. the fact that you even now you still want to continue. So I'm going to ask you one more question before we kind of finish today. Any regrets? Any regrets about getting diagnosed before or nah? Look, I I can't say, like, of course, I would have loved to have known this in a way. Um, I would have loved to be nicer to myself throughout my whole life. My self-talk would have been maybe a lot easier, but I also wouldn't have been who I am today. I've got resilience and empathy and I've got those strategies that I just had <laughs> to kind of figure out. So, you know, I, I I don't regret that, but I definitely, like, it is important to me. But this is one of the reasons why I said yes to this is because even though I might feel vulnerable and, like, people maybe will judge me if they hear me, 
I think it's so important that other people hear stories like mine because if one more person like me gets diagnosed a bit earlier and we start to not judge the kids that present like me, um, you know, in my teaching, it's even improved my teaching um, in how I look at my students and how I cater to them. Okay, this kid, we're doing a meditation, but they don't, they want to stand. Okay, well, they can stand. They're restless. Mm -hmm. They're still doing the task just in their own way. And so I, I want to allow that for others. And so I, it is sad, you know, any struggling is sad, any suffering is sad, but um, I'm who I am. And so maybe I needed, you know, this is exactly where I needed to be um, at this time. So I'm going to roll with that. Wow. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you anymore. So as we come to the end of the diary, I just want to say how incredible it's been to have you on here and very unique Uh, everyone is always very unique but very rare for someone who's only been diagnosed three months ago to well from what I've seen from uh, a lot of a lot of people to firstly feel confident enough to come on here but you're still smiling and you're so accepting of yourself and people around I I have to say I'm truly inspired by yourself and I think many others will really be able to relate to that and the fact that you even mentioned that that's one of the reasons why you came on is is truly a noble thing. So is there anything that you would like to leave us with? Maybe uh, an encouragement for people's week ahead. I do have a, a quote that I would like to say. Um, it's Rupi Kaur and it's, and here you are living despite it all. Wow. That says it all. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. So yet again, we leave Indigos with another incredible story and someone else to be able to listen to and find some relation to your life. With this thought, I want to mention that we are all in every way very different, but in some ways very similar. And I hope you find some peace knowing that you're not alone in this journey that we call life. Please reach out if you need anything or want to share your story. So for another week, I, I want to say, have an honorable week and keep pushing through just like Jessica has done her whole life. And so signing out, Indigos, and we're out. Dear Diary. Dear Diary. Dear Diary. Today is ending. I'll check in again tomorrow. Tomorrow is a brand new beginning. Good night, sweet dreams. I think tomorrow will be...